Um, and so we're, we're going to talk about this tonight. Uh, how many of you have heard the phrase, honesty is the best policy? Okay, yeah, so, so we all know that. Um, so tonight I, I want to talk about the honest life. We looked this morning at the revived life, and, and we looked at Isaiah chapter 6. I told you we're going to um, kind of go back to that every single night and kind of look into that. But if you have your copies of Scripture, we're going to spend a lot of our time tonight in First John chapter 1. Um, and so some people are like, wait a minute, you're connecting Isaiah to 1 John? Yes, because it's the beauty of the Scripture. It all connects to itself. It all points back to Christ. Uh, but I want us to, to look tonight. Um, if, we, if we looked at Isaiah 6-5, Isaiah says this, uh, Woe is me, for I'm lost, I'm ruined, I, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah gets honest with God, not just saying, hey, I'm a sinner, but he goes on to say that I'm a person of unclean lips. He gets honest with God. Honesty takes vulnerability. You're like, wait a minute, time out. Honesty takes vulnerability. What is the difference between honesty and vulnerability. Well, the definition of honesty is this, free from fraud or deception, genuine, real, marked by integrity. Um, and so I think about the idea of, of counterfeit. Um, you know, I mean, if there's a counterfeit bill, if you're, if you're in the, the treasury department, they don't study counterfeits. They study the real thing. They look at the actual bills themselves to the, to the details of, 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 you know, what it looks like. So honesty would look something like this. I told you this morning, I love college football. I'm a big college football fan. I, I like strawberry ice cream. I prefer Chick-fil-A, which is the Lord's chicken, over Popeye's or Kentucky fried chicken. Okay, I mean, I am definitely from Georgia in that regard. I was born in, in Florida. That's another honest thing about me. But I went to high school and college in Georgia. I had a gentleman today say, where are you from? Your accent is different. It is different because I grew up in Florida where it's like, you know, the Yankees live, uh, even though I'm further south than anybody else in the United States, except maybe Hawaii. I'm not real sure. Um, but you know, I, I'm from Florida, okay? Uh, blue is my favorite color. I think it makes my eyes pop, okay? So I just, this is like the color that makes me feel good. I love blue. Um, I have a sister. She's younger than me by five years. Um, and so these are honest things. These are honest answers about who I am. But question, have I been vulnerable? I've been honest with you. But I haven't been vulnerable with you. I haven't shared anything really deep because vulnerability says this, capable of being physically or emotionally wounded, open to attack or to damage. Now, some of us would go in regards with this and say, wait a minute, Ryan, you're talking about honesty with God. And so how in the world is being vulnerable with God? God isn't going to hurt me. He isn't going to wound me. You're correct, but can I ask you a question? How many of us in our relationship with God think that he will? 
because of our own relationships with our fathers or our own relationships with other people where we have been open and honest and vulnerable with them and they have hurt us. So what do we do? We project that onto God. Let me be vulnerable with you about some things. Uh, I cry at TV shows and movies. I'm a major weeper. Uh, I, I, husbands, let me give you a, a, a good thing to do maybe at Christmas time. I, I did this and earned some brownie points, put some money into the relationship bank. Uh, even though we travel on the road, I got a subscription to the Hallmark movie channel at Christmas time. <laughs> Listen, brother, I'm just trying to help you out, man. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Right. Set free in that one. Um, you just became Baptocostal, didn't you, man? Listen, here, here's the thing. So I, we're traveling in an RV, and so we stream everything. And so I got a subscription to the Hallmark Movie Channel. We came in one night after a service, and uh, my wife had had this TV show on. Like, she came in and started watching the Hallmark Christmas movie. I hadn't been there five minutes, and I already knew the plot of the whole thing. Like, I knew who was going to like who and who was going to end up with somebody at the end of the thing. They're all the same. It's just different actors set in a different city, and it's all about Christmas somehow. Um, and so I kind of knew how all this was going to go, but I'm standing there for five minutes and find myself tearing up and choking up at this thing. My wife and daughter Hannah just started laughing at me because I'd only been there five minutes. Sunday nights, how many of you remember that TV show, Extreme Home Makeover? You know, Ty Pennington, move that bus. Like, we loved to watch that as a family. I think the girls loved it because it was torture for me. Like, I would watch it and, like, tear up at the story of this family. And here they are giving this, them this amazing home and all of the stuff they would do that they would think intentionally about that family and those kids and, and how do we meet their needs. And I'd be over there crying. And I'm like, listen, it's my allergies. My girls know this about me. I cry at movies and at TV shows. Um, I want people to like me. I make a lot of decisions sometimes with the idea of, will they like me when it's over with? I mean, can I be honest? I, I want to walk out of here tonight and this week going, I hope they like me. And you know, that's something that God's been working in my heart and life of, am I trying to please God or am I trying to please man? And I've realized that a lot of my decisions have been based out of this fear of man rather than a fear of God. I've been to counseling before. Why? Because I'm messed up. I've been to counseling before we got married. I was in counseling, but, you know, for pre-marriage counseling. Uh, we've been in counseling since we've been married. We've been to counseling as a couple. I've been to counseling, um, you know, as my own self. We've been to parent counseling. We've been to counseling with our teenage daughter. Anybody have teenage kids that you're like, amen, I've been to counseling. Yeah, I mean, some of you at, at some point have probably turned me off at just that because you're just like, listen, this guy's truly broken. I am. But for the grace of God, he's been healing and working in my life. These things are vulnerable things. Because at some point, you might judge me. You might not like me. You might turn me off. Can I tell you something? It doesn't change who I am. And it doesn't change the fact that I want to be vulnerable because God wants us to be vulnerable. 
with him. See, here's the deal. We've, we've believed some lies about vulnerability. We, we've believed that vulnerability is a weakness. We see vulnerability as a weakness in our life, and none of us want to be seen as weak. We want to be seen as what? Having it all together. Especially when we come to church, right? Like we want people to look at us and go, they got it together. Do we really? Like, do we really have it together? This should be a place where it's okay to not be okay. Because the church is to be a hospital, not a country club. Jesus said that. But we believe that vulnerability is weakness. We've also believed this, that that I won't be liked if I'm known. How can you be liked if you're not known? Can you really be liked? Question is posed a lot of times as we walk past people in the hall. And the, the question is this, how are you? What's the number one response? I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Like, I mean, listen, we're in the middle of COVID. Everything's shut down. We're shut down. We're closed in. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Wife's great. Kids great. Life all together is wonderful. You should try life in like 480 square feet. It's fantastic for the marriage. Um, works out really well. Gives us lots of time together to work on our issues. Um, here's the thing. Our issues have issues. We we could have come to church and on the way to church been fighting with our spouse or our kids and we pull into the parking lot and what do we say? We get out, we're like, we're fine, everything's great, praise Jesus, hallelujah. God bless you. Put on the happy face because why? Everything is fine. Here's the definition of fine, you ready? Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. I think we could identify with at least one of those things And it would be true, we are fine. The question is this, will we stop wearing the mask? Because see, all of us at some point in our lives put on a mask. I know some of you are like, dude, where'd Ryan go? I'm now the Lone Ranger. Listen, I'm just gonna say this, you've never seen me and Batman together in the same room, okay? But isn't this true for us? We put on the mask of I'm fine. Everything is great. And we wear this mask in our lives, hoping that we can just fool everybody. And the only thing we're really fooling is ourselves. And we even wear this when it comes to God. How do we get honest with God and with ourselves when we're wearing a mask? With God, we think, man, I can fool God. I can hide this area of my life from him. Uh, he's, he's God of my life. He's on the throne, yes, but man, there's this one little area that's just mine, this one little secret sin, this one little thing that I just controlled. Then my question comes back to this, who's really on the throne? Is it God or is it that one little area? How do we get honest with ourselves? Uh, let's be honest for a moment. Most of us don't like who looks back at the mirror with us, do we? I don't. I look in the mirror sometimes and go, dude, who is that guy? Like he's a little bit bigger around the, around the middle section. Like I've watched myself on TV because, you know, I mean, since COVID, all of us have become internet sensations. We're all televangelists. And there are times where people go, hey, the camera adds 10 pounds. How many cameras are on me? 
Like, I'm in, a, I'm in a temple expansion project. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like there should be a sign around my neck. You know, please be patient with me under construction. I mean, Scripture says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm just trying to give him more room to live in. I know some of you are like, seriously, how long are you going to preach with that mask on? Well, when we get honest, we start taking it off. When we get vulnerable with God and with ourselves, we'll take the mask off and get real about life and realize that we're not okay. You and I are great builders of walls. We barricade ourselves behind these walls constructed to protect us from being hurt the entire time, wanting people to see us, to know us, and to love us. Wanting God to see us, to know us, and to love us. But how... Can we be known? How can we be loved and still protect ourselves? We can't. We have to take the masks off. Because to be known, we must be honest. And to be honest, we must be vulnerable. That vulnerability starts with God. It starts with ourselves looking in the mirror and seeing what God has has done in our hearts and lives. So I ask again, how do we get honest with God and with ourselves? Well, 1 John chapter 1, beginning with verse 5, helps us to, to see some things. The first step is this, to realize that God is light. I know some of you are like, um, yeah, I got that, Ryan. God is light. Okay, sure. Thank you, Captain Obvious, for that one. John, 1 John 1, 5 says this, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness. Light is an amazing thing. Light dispels darkness. It penetrates and it reveals. Uh, there are times when, when my girls were little uh, and it'd be the middle of the night and you hear them across the house or the apartment waking up with a bad dream. And what do you do as a parent? You, you roll back over and go back to sleep, right? That's what good parents do. No, we get out of bed and we go, we go running through the house and find what? Every toy they forgot to put away. Every Lego that was left on the floor. We find every coffee table that we know has been there for years, but our shin seems to find it in the darkness. It would be amazing if we would just flip some lights on, then guess what? We'd be able to miss those things. Because light reveals things. Light gives hope. In a dark and darkness, darkness brings despair. It brings depression. But light gives hope. Uh, this past summer, uh, we took a, a trip on our way up to, to Michigan. Uh, we stopped at this place in Kentucky called Mammoth Cave. If you ever get a chance to go into a cave, I highly recommend it just once um, because everybody should experience complete darkness. Uh, it, it, was, it was freeing um, in a lot of ways because I looked forward to getting out of it. So we're, we're in this cave and it's huge. There's, that's the reason they call it mammoth. It's huge. I know, obvious. But we get down and they tell us we're, we're like 350 feet below the surface. It's 35 stories a long way under the ground and my brain starts thinking what happens if this thing caves in then your anxiety kicks in even if you're not anxious your brain starts what the what if scenarios 
And they bring us into this nice big open cavern and they have these benches there and they tell everybody, grab a seat on the bench. And they talk about how people found this part of the cave back in you know, the 1800s when all they had were candles. And I'm thinking, yeah, those guys were crazy. I would never in my life go into a cave with just a candle. Like what happens if it goes out and your matches are done or the candle just disappears? And they said, so, so here's what we want you to do. Uh, you're all seated. Everybody close your eyes for a count of three. We're like, all right, cool. So we closed our eyes for the count of three. And they said, open your eyes. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure my eyes are open, but I can't see anything. They'd shut the lights out 350 feet below the surface. And I mean, I'm doing this with my hand going, I know my hand is there, but I can't see it. It was dark. Could you imagine being in that place for a long period of time and the hopelessness and the despair? The best part was when the person who was guiding us took a lighter and just clicked the lighter on. It was amazing how that one little tiny light lit up the darkness. I don't know if you realize this, but Jesus said, you and I are the light of the world. There's a lot of light in this room. If we'll be the light. But God is the light. Light gives hope. Light also gives healing and health. When your baby is born and they're a little yellow, the doctors call it jaundice, what do they tell you to do? Set the baby in the sunlight. Yeah, my parents did that and quickly learned my birthstone was chalk. I burn at thinking about the sun. I'm from Florida, yes, but listen, I hate the beach. My wife loves the beach. Well, one, the beach has sand, and two, the beach is the sun. I don't like that. I burn at just the thought of it. But the sun and the light brings healing, and it brings health. It brings warmth. Because God is light. Nothing is hidden from him. Look at Hebrews 4.13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Does anybody find comfort in that verse? Like that's one of those verses I'm like, could I just like blacken it out in my Bible? Could I like cut it out? Like, I don't know if I like that verse because that means that even when I'm wearing a mask with God and say, God, I'm fine. Everything is great. I got this. God's looking at me going, you don't have it, buddy. When I'm living in my secret sin that I think nobody knows about, guess what? God does. Because everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. He's the one that I'm going to be accountable to. Man, that's just terrifying. When we realize that God is the light and he shines into our lives, guess what? That brings healing. That brings hope. Yes, it exposes parts of our lives, but man, it is beautiful. Look at what John goes on to say in 1 John 1, 6. This is our second thing. You ready? Stop lying. Not only do we need to realize that God is the truth, but then we need to, to just stop lying. 1 John 1, 6 says this. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. If we say we have fellowship with him, if we say that I'm a believer or I follow Christ, I'm a Christ follower, but yet our life doesn't look any different than the world that's around us. If we say we have fellowship with him, then our lives should be different. 
if I just go to church and I tithe and I read the Bible, if I do all of the church things, but it doesn't change the way that I live, then I'm lying, which means I'm not being honest. I'm not living in the light. Can I just tell you I've done this before? I've lived a life with a mask, even as a minister. Even as a, as a pastor, as a youth pastor, I've lived with this mask on my face, thinking, man, got this all together. And the only person that I was fooling was myself. God says, listen, we, we've got to stop lying. It goes on and it says, we do not practice the truth. I, I find that it's an interesting Word because in today's culture, truth has become relative. It's it's obsolete. Truth is relative, meaning what is true for me is not necessarily true for you, and what's true for you is not necessarily true for me. Well, then is it really true? Because the definition of truth is this: the body of real things, events, and facts. Actually, that is truth. It is also this: the state of being the case, the facts. Think about that, that old TV show, Just the Facts, ma'am. Yeah, the facts, the truth, or this, a transcendent, fundamental, or spiritual reality. I, I want to challenge some thoughts for a second. Truth is not an idea. Truth is not a principle. Truth is not some thought. Truth is a person. John 14, 6, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Who is? Jesus. Jesus said, I am truth. Therefore, if Jesus is truth, then what Jesus says is truth. So that goes to the fact of this. What God says is true no matter how I feel. What God says is true no matter what I believe. Because Jesus says he is truth. But he goes on and he says this, not, not only is truth a person, but look at John sixteen three. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit will guide us into truth. Guide us into that deeper relationship with Jesus and who he is. The third step in this is to walk in the light. To walk in light. 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we have this, this relationship, walking is this idea of living a life that is continually moving towards something, but walking in the light continually helps us to see this life that says, man, God, I'm going to live in your light at all times. I'm not going to have areas of shadows, but I'm going to be in the light with you as you are in the light. There's, there's two benefits of walking in the light. The first benefit is fellowship with one another. First John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. In other words, we, we understand then that we're not the only ones struggling with things. 
We understand that there's people in this life with us. We're not alone. We have fellowship. We have community. Uh, we, we have so much more. Uh, it also goes on and it says this. We have forgiveness of sins. We have the fellowship of, of each other, but we also have the forgiveness of sins. First John 1 John 1.7 wraps up and says this. And the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from our sins. And I don't know about you, but I need some of that cleansing. But that means I've got to get honest and I've got to take the mask off with God and get real about some things. So the fourth step is to get honest. To get honest. Honesty is the best policy. When we get honest with God, we find freedom. We find grace. We find mercy. 1 John 1, 8 says this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Listen, we've all messed up. Some of us are still trying to cover up areas of our lives and the sins of our lives, the mistakes and the blemishes. We're still trying to wear the masks of saying everything is fine. Listen, all of us have messed up. We, we've all made mistakes. It's what we do next that matters. It's what we do after that. It's time to get honest. Stop deceiving ourselves, but to get honest. So, so here's what I want you to do. Look, look at your person next to you and say you're messed up. Oh, some of you husbands were quick on that one. You're like, whoa, yeah, right. I see what you did there. Yeah, I am not looking at my wife and saying you're messed up. Yeah. Um, there's counseling for you in case you, you did make that mistake and say that you're right. Try this one, okay? Look to your neighbor and say, I'm messed up. Yeah. That was a lot easier in some cases um, because uh, I don't know about you, but, but I can definitely look at my wife and be like, I'm messed up. And what does she do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Woo. You're not, you're not lying on that one. Sometimes it's easier to say, I messed up. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's easier to look at others and say, man, you're messed up. You need Jesus. But if we all would get honest, we could all say, I'm messed up. I need Jesus. I need his grace and his mercy in my life. When we do that, we begin to confess our sins. We begin to confess the sin that's in our lives. We begin to understand there's freedom in this. Famous verse, 1 John 1, 9, says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Think about that, that passage in Isaiah that we read this morning when the angels came to him and, and touched his lips. And they say, look, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin has been atoned for. When we will get honest and confess things, this is what confession means to tell or to make known, to admit when we've done something wrong, to acknowledge our sin with God, to agree with him. We've got to get specific like Isaiah did. I'm a man of unclean lips. I've got this area of my life that is not good. I've got this, this part that of, of me, God, that is not okay. God says, that's okay. I love you because he goes on to 
forgive us. God is faithful and just. He is faithful. He, he is loyal. He is conscientious. He is, is someone who will do what he says he'll do again and again. He is dependable, but he's also just. He, he's reasonable. He's proper. He's righteous. Because God is faithful and just in response to our honest confession, he will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. But you and I have got to get honest with God. The last verse in all of this is 1 John 1.10. This one I would love to have left out. But as I'm reading through this, it's one that just sticks with me. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, God, a liar. I'm not the one who's lying. He's the one who's, he's the one at that case who I'm saying, hey, you're a liar. And it says the truth, his word is not in us. Tonight, would you say with me that it's okay to not be okay? Would you get honest with God and with yourself and say, you know what, God, I, I don't want to make you a liar anymore. Look at this passage in Psalms 32. David writes this amazing psalm. After his, his sin with Bathsheba, he, he begins to write this confession out in Psalms 32, verses 3 and 4. He says, when I kept silent, when I didn't confess things, when, when I continued to hide and live in the darkness, even though I said I was a follower of God, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. If you feel like God's hand is heavy on your life, then there's an area you got to confess. There's something going on in your life that you're like, man, I, I got I to gotta get this right. It says this, my strength was dried up as by the summer heat. You wonder why there, there's something going on in your life? And we've got to confess it. But look at verse five. Look at the freedom that comes when we do confess. When I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sins. And when we get honest with God, God will come in and move into that area, into that brokenness and bring healing. And health will bring his light into your life when we are willing to bring things into the light of God. Here's your life in action. What are you covering up? What, what are you trying to, to cover up in your life? That you're just saying, God, I'm fine. Everything's okay. Everything's great. What are you covering up? Our, our invitation tonight is going to be a little bit different. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and be honest with you. I don't like this invitation tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm 47 years old and the doctors tell me now I've got to come for complete physicals on a regular basis. I don't like doctors, even when I'm sick. I don't know of many men who do, um, but I'm really thankful that my wife makes appointments for me and says I have to go. Um, and so tonight we're, we're going to take some opportunity and we're going to do a, a, what we call a complete spiritual. And so if you'll turn in your, in your workbooks to page 32, 
uh, we're going to take some time to examine some areas of our lives. And so I want to give you an opportunity to, to do a complete spiritual in your life. Allow God to speak in and to shine his light into the areas of your life and heart and see, man, is there any area that I'm not right with God? So I, I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to walk through this. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come before you tonight knowing that, God, we're not okay. We're not fine. As David wrote in Psalms 39, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. God, in these next moments and in these next minutes, Lord, would you shine your light into our lives? God, would you point out any way that offends you? God, would you help us to confess that? Would you help us, God, to get this right? Lord, we love you and we thank you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Here's what I'd like us to do. We're going to create this kind of holy place, uh, this, this sacred time and this sacred place in here. Um, and so I'm going to give you an opportunity. You, you've got you know, the next 15 minutes or 20 minutes, however long it takes. You're like, but Ryan, I have kids that are in Happy Harder in base camp. Listen, our team knows that this is going on. And so we want to give you time tonight to just work through some stuff with God to allow him to shine into your heart and into your life, to begin to reveal some things in you. But you can then say, man, God, would, would you forgive me of that? Give you a time of confession. And so I, we're, we're gonna go over the first little section together, and then I'm gonna just turn you loose and let you do the rest on your own. And you're like, wow, Ryan, I'm sitting here looking at this, and it goes to page 32 to 34 to 35 to... Ryan, this is, this is a lot. Listen, it's okay. I want you to know you've got the time. Our team wants to give you this time. So would you take it tonight? Look at, look at section one on, on new birth. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says this, test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. So look at question one. I have fully agreed with God about the sin in my life and I've turned away from it so that I can live the kind of life Jesus died to provide. This repentance has changed the way I live, speak, and think. Would you just circle yes or no to that statement? Is that statement true about your life? Statement two, I have placed all my trust and complete confidence in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, trusting in no one and nothing else. Yes or no? Statement three, I have assurance from the Holy Spirit that I have been fully forgiven and accepted as God's child. Yes or no? Statement four, the Bible teaches that a changed life is powerful evidence of true faith. It is obvious that God has changed me from the inside out and that my behavior, desires, and direction are increasingly aligning with Christ. Yes or no? This 
shaded in box. If you circled one or more questions, no, check this box. And realize that you may not have experienced true salvation and new birth. If that's you, I, I want to encourage you. Um, come up to me, come up to Jesse, come up to Pastor Chad, say, hey, can I talk to you tonight? Can I talk to you before I go to bed? And we'd love to talk with you. Grab Zach. Man, I, I, I just, I want to know that I've got salvation. Again, I, I want to ask you as you go through these next several sections, would you just take this time to be with God? The part of this invitation that I don't like is leaves kind of this unresolved thing. We're so used to as a culture watching a TV show and it being resolved in 30 minutes and they've taken and solved like four life issues. And you're like, seriously, how do they do that? Listen, I, I want you to know that there is resolution and it's in a relationship with Jesus. And we're gonna continue to walk this life together and looking tomorrow night at humility and pride. But tonight, would you just take this moment and just do some business with God? When you're done, if you would just kind of collect your stuff together and quietly walk out, kind of hold your conversations till you get outside, that would be great. So those that are in here have this space to work. If you need to come to the altar, the altar's here for you. Church, thank you for being here tonight. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night at six o'clock. But again, know that you've got all the time you need. We're here for you. God loves you.